Hey everybody, uh, welcome to The Readers on the Wall. This is episode 21. Sure. <laughs> I know, yes, yes. Last episode I said it was 20, so I'm going to just stick with those numbers from now on. Oh no. So um, we are in location number four for where I do my videos. and I'm in my son's room. He uh, He's very, all of a sudden for the past week, he's refused to sleep in his own bed. He has to sleep in the recliner in the living room. Oh. And... <clears throat> Usually my wife um, goes into, she'll watch TV out there, but then Jamie moved out there and now my wife's going to be in her room watching her TV show. And so I got kicked into this room. <laughs> so. um, let's see. Kind of interesting. So I noticed that our three chapters tonight are all chapters nine for them. It's um, Daenerys really? nine. Tyrion nine and John nine. Huh. And with the three. I don't think Interesting. Ever That's actually That's kind of a cool catch. Cool Good catch. job. <laughs> I didn't notice that. I only noticed it because I just typed it out in our like title. <laughs> That's funny. I X I X I X. Oh, I, I wanted to show you guys. I'm, I'm actually going to change my method how I take my notes, but I've been taking it all in this one book and something so satisfying is like flipping through this and just seeing like pages and pages of notes. It's so good feeling. Can, can you guys hear an echo on me? Cause I can hear an echo of me. You sound good to me. Okay. Yeah, it's not necessarily an echo. It's just a little bit of lag, but I can hear myself actually. Now that I say that. <laughs> yeah, sounds great to me, so. okay sounds good we'll just we'll just go with it okay cool well hey um yeah we're gonna jump in reading the next three chapters in the game of thrones book like uh madison said we're gonna be doing danny Tyrion, and john nine um i'll admit these chapters are a little more like hey book's ending let's just kind of wrap it up and you know, figure yeah, out where everyone's settled. settled. Danny's chapter's got some cool dream stuff in it that we're going to discuss over. But I feel like the Tyrion John chapter's like, all right, let's just get them settled and we'll move on to the next book later. <laughs> Danny's was for sure the most action packed. We were like, Oh, oh yeah. well, that yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah, Danny Nine has some great, like, moral questions in it. Like, you read it and you're like, but wait, like, but she she's not accepting this, and she thinks this, and she thinks that. Who's right to do what they did? It's it's a it's a, it's pretty emotional. <laughs> yes, I'm sharing our live to a couple groups. So just so you're like, why is Madison on her phone? Like, she's not oh my interested. gosh! What the heck? What the she hates us so Share much. this in a few groups. <laughs> pretty much. But um, if but yeah, if we're all settled in, why don't we let, let's get this going? Let's do it. Okay. Okay. We're going to start with Danny Nine. The quick and dirty of this is we go through a lot of kind of dream sequences with her, and she wakes up a few different times. She and this is where he she learns that Cal Drogo is quote unquote alive, and it's it's a tough chapter for her because the, 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 like the the one big similarity I noticed was that. 
so she she goes to she basically passes out from the whole experience from last chapter and she wakes up and her whole life is gone basically and it and it felt very similar to bram how he was pushed out the window he was in a coma for so long and when he woke up like everyone was gone like his like father, his mother, father, pretty much pretty all much of his brothers, brothers, like everybody was gone. And life and as you know it was different. Exactly. exactly. Okay, cool. Okay, well, why don't we why jump, jump in? in um, the f- it, starts it starts off with, with the, dream. the dream. And so I think so we're, we're going to kind of read through it real quick and we can kind of explain as we go. I'll kind of skip a, a few things that I might feel aren't that important. Basically, Danny and Drogo have a lot of sex. So, so. <laughs> I don't think we needed that too deep into that, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> okay, um, I'm I'm just gonna start reading a few spots. Um, oh 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 oh! Are you, oh my too my too loud. Apparently, I'm too loud. Cool your jets. I thought I did. Go find it. Sorry guys. Okay. Sorry, guys. Um, okay. Um, she was walking down a long hall beneath high stone arches. She could not look behind her. Must not look behind her. There was a door ahead of her, tiny with distance, but even from afar, she saw that it was painted red. She walked faster, and her bare feet left bloody footprints on the stone, and that creeped me out. <laughs> yeah, it for sure reads like a nightmare. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, well, because you got this like you got this image of the red door ahead of her, which. To Danny represents her home. You know, she's like, I want to go towards this thing that brings me comfort, the thing that I love. But she's leaving all these bloody footprints behind, which I think could just be, you know, you know, the bloody path she's going to take to get to her quote unquote home. You know, I mean, um, sorry, I just lost my spot. One second. Where's Sorry, I'm getting there. I'm getting um, there. I'm getting there. Anyway, so yeah. yeah. So she's so heading she, towards that. Then we get a we section get, where they just kind of have sex, sex, you know, you know do, the, do, the, do the dirty. <laughs> then we get uh, uh, Sir Jorah's face was drawn and sorrowful. Rhaegar was the last dragon, he told her. He, wa- he, he warmed translucent hands over a glowing brazier where stone eggs smoldered red as coals. One moment he was there, and the next he was fading, his flesh colorless, less substantial than the wind. The last dragon, he whispered, thin as a wisp and was gone. She felt the dark behind her, and the red door seemed farther away than ever. And I was wondering, do you, do you guys have an idea of why Jorah is so translucent? In that, in that scene, scene almost like he's a ghost. Any I think thoughts on that? It was like she was kind of in this dream seeing all of the people who used her, saw her as an object, held her back, told her she couldn't do things. And Jorah, I think, represented I mean, even though I think Jorah has now is developing good intentions towards her and wants to be a protector, he was constantly telling her that like your brother Rhaegar is gone. Like he was, he was the, you know, the last dragon and kind of spoke that over her that like, you know, he was the best and he's gone. So you'll just have to be whatever you can be. And uh-huh. I think that's kind of a symbol, symbolic of him and those words of you're not enough kind of becoming a ghost to her. Uh-huh. I, mean, I mean, possibly it could be something like, you know, he, you know, he's basically, he's a spy, he's a spy for Varys at this point, so maybe it's like he's presenting something that he's not, 
I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 Um, um, let's see. The next section of the dream, uh, Viserys stood before her, screaming, the dragon does not beg, slut. You do not command the dragon. I am the dragon. He, he just whines a lot. <laughs> um, the molten gold trickled down his face like wax, burning deep channels in his flesh. I am the dragon. I will be crowned, he shrieked, and his fingers snapped like snakes, biting at her nipples, pinching, twisting, even as his eyes burst and ran like jelly down seared and blackened cheeks, which is... That's freaky as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean that, that that sequence in her dream is worse than what actually happened to him. I feel. <laughs> I know. Oh, oh, man. So this isn't a very happy dream, as I as as I read. Um, let's see. Then, uh, th- then we get this constant. Um, so we get the phrase, "You don't want to wake the dragon, do you?" And it keeps kind of fading and being shortened as the stream goes on. It starts out, you know, you don't want to wake the dragon, do you? Don't wake the dragon. Don't wake the dragon. Want to wake the dragon? Wake the dragon. That's how it ends. That ends the dragon. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. yeah, it ends on the dragon. And it's just like... like a paragraph of creepy dream and then the italics saying something about the dragon being woken up. I just love visually looking at it and seeing it like progressing it goes it goes from you don't want to wake the dragon do you to just wake the dragon and then it ends with the dragon it's just such good foreshadowing (laughs) it's great it's 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 perfect perfect um let's Um, see so after that freaky freaky moment where she sees viserys melt uh the red door was so far ahead of her and she could feel the icy breath behind behind her. her Or, or behind, behind sweeping up on her. her. If it if caught it her, she would, she would die. die. A death, a death that was that more was than more death, death, howling forever alone, alone in the darkness. darkness. She, she began, began to run. run. So I don't so know I what don't that know cold that is. Maybe, maybe the others, just because it's what we kind of connect the cold to. I think Oh, go ahead, Well, I was just saying, that's how I saw it. Kind of just her having some light foreshadowing for her involvement with the conflict in the North, with the conflict of life versus death. Because it also, if I see howling, I think of wolves. So mm-hmm. I think that's, that's saying the Starks are in your future. I took a little more literal approach on it. And to me, it was like the darkness in her dream was more of her past insecurities holding her back. And it was what she had to run away from and push through to become this new person to overcome the hardships that are going to come and become the mother of dragons. Love it. Good. Good. No, those are good thoughts. Good job, job. Um, Let's see what happens. Oh yeah. Then um, the next section is um, she basically sees her son grown up to a to be a you know an adult basically, and he like reaches his hand out for her, and then he like basically melts away almost. Um, she saw his heart burning through his chest, and an instant he was gone, consumed like a moth by a cake, turned to ash. I think that's, that's just, just related to the fact, fact that he does, he does die. die. He, mm-hmm. he, she's, she's never going to see him see be him at this state in his life, which is, which I think which this I think is where we get into that moral question, question that Mary Mazdor basically puts forth, puts forth in a way. way. You know, she's like, look, like, like you're not going to see your son grow up, which is sad. But according to this prophecy, he was going to be killing thousands and thousands of people. And, you know, it's like, was that the right thing to do to for her to kill him and get him to kind of destroy that prophecy or, you know. It's... One thing I thought was interesting was that they mentioned that she saw his heart burning through his chest. 
And I, I looked up a bunch of them earlier this week and then I got really busy and I didn't make great notes, but I, I looked up and there are a lot of, um, in recorded Targaryen history, there are a lot of Targaryen miscarriages that were, were or more like stillbirths, stillbirths. And when the babies were born, they were uh, deformed and scaled and lizard-like, wings, tails, all that kind of stuff. But one of them in particular, it was one of Magor's um, wives' miscarriages. He was born without a hole in, or without a heart and a hole in his chest where the heart should be. And so I just thought that was kind of interesting mm. because a lot of people, I mean, we'll get to this in a little bit, but a lot of people, you know, just directly blame Miriam Asdor for the, de the death of the baby. But these types of deformed lizard-like stillbirths are actually, I mean, I think I found like eight of them in Targaryen history. Wow. wow. Maybe not all exactly like this, but either scales or tails or wings or lizard skin. And one of them in particular said there was a hole in his chest where his heart should have been. So my did, did, so so do you think maybe that's because they have a connection that is specifically two dragons? Like it's this magical connection that has a cost to it? Yes. Okay. I think they are literally the blood of dragons. Hmm. I like this. Okay. okay. I'm going I'm to stick that in my brain and, and keep it there. And I may try to actually take better notes because I read about it, but I didn't write anything down. And maybe next week, since we have only two chapters, maybe we can talk a little bit about these deformed Targaryen stillbirths. I like if that. You, you know, you know I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, work, I'll, I'll, work I'll work on that, on that too. too. I'll, I'll Google, I'll Google up some stuff, stuff too. too. Cool, cool, cool. Um, okay, so okay, next, so next up, up says, um, says uh, ghosts lie in the hallway, hallway dressed in the faded ravens of kings. kings. In their in hands their were hands swords of pale fire. They had hair of silver and hair of gold and hair of platinum white. And their eyes were opal and amethyst. Tourmaline? Tourmaline. Tourmaline and jade. Faster they cried. Faster, faster. She raced her feet, melting the stone wherever they touched. Faster, the ghost cried. Um, uh, as, as, as one, one. and she, she screamed and threw herself forward. A great knife of pain ripped down her back, and she felt her skin tear open and smelled the stench of burning blood and saw the shadow of wings. And Daenerys Targaryen flew. That's a great last line. This is Tourmaline, by the way. It looks a lot like a no, no. I can't. I can't see you, but I'm sure it looks beautiful. Black rock. It's a, it looks like a city, but it's Tourmaline. Cool. So, so I'm, assuming I'm assuming these, these ghosts, ghosts are, are her ancestors, ancestors who are kind of urging her forward, forward to, to, you know, become who she's, she's supposed to become. She's supposed to become, 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 become the, dragon. the dragon. At least that's, that's how, how I saw it. And then Dorlin forward. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, and then this is, this is where, where she she, she kind of trance. Um, um, she travels to Westeros almost in her dream, and, and she sees, she sees her, her brother, brother Rhaegar Targaryen, mounted on a stallion as black as his armor. Fire glimmered red through the narrow eye slits of his helm, which is a really intense visual, you know, to have this dark helmet on, fire coming out of the visor. It's like, oh, dang. And, uh, she flips she up the visor, visor and she doesn't, she doesn't see Rhaegar, she sees herself. So, so it's 
it's basically an Empire Strikes Back moment where, you know, Vader's helmet blows up and it's actually Luke's face in it. <laughs> and, uh, and there's, there's a lot of ways that people speculate on this line and what the meaning behind it is. And I just think it's herself realizing that, that Rhaegar's legacy doesn't have to end with him. Like, she can mm-hmm. pick up where he left off and she can, you know, maybe it's a you know, maybe it's kind of a foreshadowing prince who has promised thing, but I think it's, I think it's her visualizing herself as a true Targaryen and mm-hmm. and picking up and carrying on the legacy and doing her thing. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I totally agree. I I don't I, don't, I haven't really read a bunch of things that are kind of beyond that or any kind of crazy theories related to it. Like she's not like Rhaegar Targaryen and. You know, you know, disguise, disguise or something. Or something. <laughs> some, some people like to theorize that, like, oh, Daenerys was actually Targaryen, or um, Daenerys was actually Rhaegar's um, like bastard daughter. Oh, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> let's just move on. <laughs> let's see. Um, so, so after, after this, the, so so that's so basically, basically the end of the dream. She sees herself in Rhaegar's armor. And then uh, she, uh, she wakes, wakes up. up. And, and it's important, important to note that one of the very first things she does is she's, she's she reaching for the dragon eggs. Like, like Jorah and all of them kind of come in to check on her, and she's like crawling towards the dragon eggs. She wants them near her. And then she passes out again. She wakes up again asking for the eggs. I think it's the second time she wakes up. She wakes she up, she up, mentions she the dragon, dragon eggs, and then and she's then like, she's hey, like, I need hey, some I water, water, I need some dates. And then she and then asks she for Jorah, and then she and then remembers she Drogo. Drogo, and then and she remembers her baby. So, so I'm thinking I'm, she, like, maybe she maybe just kind of subconsciously kind of knew that her son didn't survive, and she was, she was like, like, look, he's, he's gone, gone, I can't take care of that, I need to take care of what I have, which is these dragon eggs. Or who knows, maybe she placed those dragon eggs in, in a more important role. Yeah. I don't know. Because, because she, in the, in last, the last chapter, chapter she, her only thoughts before she went into the tent, and, well, actually, well, before the whole thing started, it was, it was just her. It wasn't the baby. It wasn't anybody else. Her only thoughts were her life was going to be the price price. that she had to pay and so so, to me i thought i was just telling telling that again again, she didn't didn't think of the baby baby at all until the end Hmm. that's a good point point. yeah that's that's that's, i don't know maybe she was just in such a denial point that she didn't even think of like oh my child couldn't die because of this like he's not born in the prophecy as well like you know he's strong i can feel him kicking he's gonna be the dragon who mounts the world or the sorry the yeah like the stallion who mounts the world and like like this kid can already take care of himself basically. Right, right. Well, right. I think it's think also it's such a horrifying, horrifying thing to think like, like oh, oh my son, son might die because of this. Because Maybe she just completely, just completely blocked, blocked it out. out. It's not it's even not like an option to her because, because of how terrible, terrible it is. But then, but then again, later, later in this chapter, chapter you get a you moment get a where Mary Mosdor basically comes to her and says, "Like, like you knew the price, and you, and you lied, lied to yourself, yourself saying that it couldn't be your child." Mm-hmm. 
It's tough it's, being Danny. She has a lot going on, okay? struggle right now. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, she just, I mean, yeah, it's, this is a depressing <laughs> chapter. It really is. Um, um, let's see. So, so Danny finally Danny wakes, up, wakes up, and she starts, she starts asking, asking questions, questions like, like where's, where's Drogo? Drogo? Where's my where's son? son? What happened to him? And, and her handmaids are, like, are terrified, terrified to tell to her tell anything. anything. Like, she like, basically she has to grab, grab, I think it's eerie. And be, and like, be like, what, what happened? happened? You, need you need to tell, tell me what happened. happened. And I think and she, she Ari basically says, like, your child's dead, and she, like, she runs, runs away, away, basically. If, if, if I'm remembering happened. correctly. Yes, that's right. I'm mm-hmm. waiting right now. That's right. <laughs> and um, let's, see. let's see. That's when Jorah and Mary, Mary show up. She asked her something, actually. So, like, you're right. Eerie's like, oh, the boy, he did not live, Khaleesi, and she ran out. And then she just says to herself, like, my son is dead. And then she has tears. And she was like, no, she had known before she woke. Her dream came back to her sudden and vivid. And she remembered the tall man with copper skin and a long silver gold braid bursting into flame. So it's like she had already accepted it. It's like at first she was like, what? That's so sad. Tears. And she was like, actually, wait, I already knew this. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious if Grim did this to. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to sound, but to like kind of skip over the grieving time that Danny would have. You know what I mean? Like maybe all the grief has been burned out of me. She felt sad, yet, yet, she could already feel Rago receding from her, as if he had never been there. So, like. She's already moved on. <laughs> that, that's tough. That's, been, that sounds really cold, you know. Told her that he it, was a freak it, yet. it does, <laughs> and I think that's the point. I think this I think is this the very beginning very of her starting start to cut herself off from the real emotions, and the world is becoming very black and very white. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, also, I mean, also throughout, throughout this, this this chapter, we get the phrase of, like, I can't look can't back. Look back. Or I'll or be I'll lost. Be and maybe, and that's, maybe that's what she's what meaning. She like, like, I can't look can't back look to back the moment that I had a child and that I had, that I had love for him. For I can't look back to Drago and feel his love or miss it. it. I have to I have focus on what's in front of me, me or else I'm going to die, basically, or I'm going to lose my way. Let's see. So, yeah, so Jor and Mary basically explain what happened to her son. You know, you know, kind of, kind of what Madison went over, but you know, he had yeah, wings of a bat. His, his skin, skin was like sloughing off of him. Yeah. He was full he was of grave worms. I mean, it was just—it's a really it's nasty right. description. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Like, yeah. Dora's like, well, I mean, he wasn't cute. <laughs> like, <laughs> we didn't, we didn't take any pictures. And Mary's like, let me tell you everything. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> So tell so me this. Do you think? Do you think Mary's being a little over the top with her revenge at this point? Like, because because so so the basis of this, um, as it goes on, basically Danny's like, look, I saved your life. I protected you from dying. I took you in my service. I can't believe you did this to me. I can't believe you. How could you? Yeah. How could you do this to me? And then Mary comes as like, you didn't save anything. I, I, four men raped me before you came and saved me. I saw my temple burn. The people who I've healed and spent my life with are dead. What kind of life do you think that is? Yeah, my heart might still beating, but I don't have a life. I'm a slave now. Mm-hmm. Like, 
exactly. Yeah. And I, 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 I mean, obviously, I'm sad for Drogo. I'm sad for Baby um, Rago. I'm sad for all that Danny has lost. Like, just because she's a POV character, and like we're rooting for her, whether we know it or not. So, like, I'm sad for everybody. But every time I read this, I'm like, she's not wrong at all. Mm-hmm. She's like, mm-hmm. You have life. Let me show you what life looks like when you have nothing to live for. Not that great, is it? Because Drogo mm-hmm. is alive, but he has no Kalasar. He has no son. He has nothing. Like he may, he's just his heart beats. He's brain dead, and that's basically probably what it feels like to be a slave who's brutalized all the time. Like she got her good. Oh, we lost. Her. Yes. So, so I, so I do I lean on the fact that, that like, like okay, okay, I kind of. I, almost forgive Mary for what she did just because it's like, like, I don't know. Like Danny did did terrible terrible things to her. She ruined her life basically. And Mary wanted to do the same thing. I see two of Brooke now for some reason. She disappeared for a minute and I put her back in. Can you still hear me Harrison? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Well, that's as good as it always is for you. It's all good. But, but, but my, I guess my question is, do you think Mary went too far, especially with this glo- almost gloating that she's doing now? You know, she's kind of shoving in her face like, yeah, your son, full of grave worms. He looks like a freaking bat. I mean, I think she's trying to get a rise out of Danny at first. Like, hey, react, say something, like feel something. And like Danny does react eventually. But I mean, yes, do I think she took it too far? Of course, because like revenge isn't the way and... But I mean, do I like it a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> Just a Just little a bit. bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, 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 so let me ask you this. Why, why do you think, think Danny felt, felt that she saved, saved Mary? Mary? Like, was she just blind to the fact that Mary's life was over? Was Danny too proud to admit that she ruined Mary's life? I just think Danny was not ready for the Dothraki lifestyle. Like, she, I mean, like, they're the bad guys. Like, you know, yes, it's their culture. It's all they've ever known. It's just what they do. But, like, they're savages. They rape and pillage and steal and burn and kill. And as much as we are like, ooh, you know, Jason Momoa is hot and the Dothraki are cool. (laughs) They're not cool. And so... Um, I don't think Danny was ready for that. And, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I do catch myself, you know, rooting for them. But at the same time, we should be rooting for the helpless villagers to maybe get some revenge against the big bad in their area. Because we have to remember, too, that this probably isn't the first time that that village has had to fear um, a Dothraki horde coming and them having to rebuild or figure out, you know, what to do or how to hide or how to pay them off. Like, they probably always lived in fear of being attacked by Dothraki. And so this is a, probably the culmination of a lifetime of being savaged by them. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, again, I know revenge isn't the answer, but I, I'm kind of like, you know what? You go, girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the way I viewed it was, I feel like, let's see, how do I say this? <laughs> I feel, I feel like we read a lot of stories where our main character is kind of like a reluctant hero. Like I kind of view Harry Potter as a reluctant hero. Like he's like, look, it just kind of happens to me. Right. And I, 
And, and I think we'd like that because he's still almost on the same level as everyone in school with him. He doesn't think he's special. He doesn't think he's anything amazing until you get to the fifth book and he turns into a snot. Um, the thing about Danny though, is I feel like she views herself as a main character. She has you know, a hero complex. Yes, exactly. She's exactly. like, oh, like I'm destined to do great things. I'm my son's going to be born, and he's going to rule the whole world, and I'm going to be the mother of him. And so I think it just she's raised herself above everyone, and she doesn't look down to you know the lower people and realize they have feelings and that they're real people. Right. You know, like. I mean, you know. we have one like we have John, the unlikely mm. hero, mm-hmm. the underdog, mm. the, the the bastard, the outcast, and then she's just kind of the, the other side of that coin. She's the well, I was born to do this. This is my birthright. You know, I am the Khaleesi, and I am the you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Let's see. Let's um, see another it. reason that um, uh, Mary says Mary, she did she, she the reason she did what she did. Yeah. I think, it's, I, said, I think I said that right. Um, she's basically like, look, now that he's dead, he won't burn. Your son won't burn any villages. You, he won't rule the earth. People won't suffer under his rule. And this is this is the thing that happens a, a lot in, in in these books with Grimm is it's people who are trying to like stop a destiny or stop a prophecy from happening. But usually it ends up leading to, to it being fulfilled. And I think Miri is ran into kind of a trap here where she's like, Oh, I killed, I killed the, I killed a Danny's son. Now Danny's son won't rule the world, but I feel like it ignited Danny to become someone who is going to take over the world. And she's going to become a conqueror. At least that's how the show, the, the show game of Thrones depicted it. It might be a little different in the books, but I think it's going to be close. And she's headed in the same direction at least. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, the, I think, I think the journey, journey, I think the I think journey to Danny burning down King's Landing is going to be very different. But I think, I think, I think, I think King's Landing is going to be lit on fire. So, let's see. What was I asking to say? Um, yeah, because we're yeah, kind of moving on from this discussion yeah, that Danny and Mary have. Did you guys have any thoughts of that? Because that's kind of where like the meat of this whole thing. Yeah, is, I, I, I like. love this whole. I mean, is this whole conversation from oh. with with Mary and Danny, where she was like, you know, he lives. You asked you you asked for life, and you got what you paid for. I love that whole um, conversation. And I also think it's fun. Maybe just maybe it maybe it'll turn into something. Maybe it won't. But I think it's fun how she was like. Um, I'm trying to find it right here. Where basically she was like, "You knew what the cost was, and you let me pay it." And like, when will he be as he was? And she says her famous line: "When the sun rises in the west and sets in the east." When the seas go dry and mountains blow and the winds like leaves, when your womb quickens again and you bear a living child, then he will return, not before. And um, I was reading something kind of cool about how if, it, if you look closely and kind of dig into it, uh, a lot of these things in this, in this quote-unquote prophecy or foretelling have already come true, maybe not in a literal sense, but like what we're, what we're saying about like the sun setting in the west, like there was like a tie to Dorne. And like, mm-hmm. um, 
there's like all these different things that tie into it. And the only thing that's left undone is when her womb quickens again and brings a, you know, a, a living child to the earth. And so that's kind of something that book fans are having fun with going, maybe she will have a child and not, does that mean that Drogo will return? No, but it maybe it means that she will have a child that is still a fulfillment of prophecy. So, well, uh, well, it could be that it's not Drogo who comes back, but that they're united again, which could mean, which could prophesy to Danny's death. You know, she dies and now she could be with Drogo. So there's something there, but my question is, so Mary, that Mary's quote, the one you just said, do you think that's actually a prophecy or do you think it's just Mary being like, you know, evil and vindictive? I think it's her just saying, Never, 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 mm-hmm. never, 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 mm-hmm. never. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, like she put so much stock in the um, stallion who mounts the world. And I think it's cool because as a reader, it kind of shows us that there's a lot of prophecies in these books, but not all of them are going to come true. And there may be some things that weren't meant to be tro- pro- prophecies that may turn out to be, you know, pretty good hints as to things that are happening in books to come so i don't know i just think i really like that line and i'm just interested to see if any of that will kind of play out in these future books that apparently are coming in 2020 so (laughs) (laughs) they're going to be out next week no worries (laughs) great surprise (laughs) yeah it'll be fine (laughs) Um, so, so after this after conversation, this basically, Danny. Well, I, I guess this, we've we've been kind of jumping across it, but Danny's like, "I want to see Drogo." As they go to see him, she knows she sees that basically the whole Kalasar is gone, and all that's left are women, old men, six people. And we learn that I think it's I think it's um, what's the guy's name? Um, Joe Jogo and Mago. They've kind of made formed their own Kalasar and he's taken over. And we, we get kind of this, you know, Danny's like, I'm gonna we, we I'm gonna kill him so bad. Like like they're gonna die screaming. Like they're gonna die screaming. And and fun fact, so fun that fact, character so, Jogo is actually dead in the in the show. He's the guy that he uh Drogo rips his tongue out in that one episode. In the, books, in the books, at the end of Dance with Dragon, Dragon um, she um, runs she into him again. She is captured she by, by his Kalasar. So, so a lot of people lot think of people that in the next, that book, next book, Danny's going to find a way to kill him, him in a very terrible, terrible and disgusting, disgusting way. way. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, give me that grim dark. <laughs> You're right. Make it terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I want to feel so uncomfortable while I read this. Um, okay, so lost you guys. Okay, I'm back. So she goes to see Drogo. Drogo's basically lifeless. He's brain dead. Basically, he'll he'll lay in the sun because he likes the warmth. He'll eat food if you put it in front of him, but he won't talk. He'll barely move. And that's when we get into the whole, you know, what what is really life and that deep discussion. And then, um, and then, then basically, basically Danny, Danny brings Drogo back Drogo to their tent. Her tent. She tries she to like, like get a rise get out of him in literally. more than one way or another. And, and she ends up killing him at the end. Yeah, she, she grabs a nice feather pillow and covers his face and ends up killing him. 
And he's gone, guys. He's gone, gone. guys. Now Drogo's dead. He's not coming back. By a feather. By multiple feathers. <laughs> by a boo-boo. <laughs> oh, by a, by a boo-boo and a bunch of feathers. <laughs> <laughs> so sad. That, that, the, only sad, the only big sad part is we don't get more Jason, Jason Momoa, but we can watch That's Aquaman right. for that part. So, so. Yeah, and it's like, let's give him a round of applause because, like, what a perfect Cal Drogo. Like, he did such a great job, and, like, he really brought a, like, cool character to life. A cool character, but also, like, when you, when you go, I think maybe he's so cool because he's Jason Momoa, because if you go <laughs> off of the off of the content... He's not that cool. Like, I mean, he's he's like a badass, but he's not like a good, likable character in the book as much as he was in the show. Mm-hmm. Well, what I think is really funny is, you know, Jason Momoa on the show, he's just this big, giant dude. He's badass, and you're just like, dude, he could like punch me into the middle of the earth, and I want him to just do it. Um, but in the but in the books, when we first meet Drogo, he's like, oh, he was he's tall and he's graceful and he's like a panther, like walking across, and he's so delicate on his feet. And you're like, what? Like that is that is not what how I originally how Jason portrays him. But I'm fine with that. <laughs> I'm okay with that change. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Well, cool. Um, that's basically Danny Nine. We still have one more Danny chapter, which is going to be the last chapter in the books that we'll cover next week. Guys, next week we're done. We finished the first book. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. I feel like during just this one, like this week's reading, I'm like, I don't remember that from the show. How did they do that? Like, I'm ready for a rewatch. Me too. Yeah, I I think it'll be good. I think it'll be a good kind of cleanser for us. You know, we'll get a break from reading. We just get to sit down and watch and take notes. It'll be be fun. Excited. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, so... Just a just a, just a little preview. I think I think we're gonna do like mini award shows for each episode. I think like no, we won't do them as big as as the books book one we're gonna do. But after each episode, I would like to be like, hey, let's just hand out like three awards for just like best actress, best best actor, favorite scene, just something yeah, like that. Most, so. Best moment, cool. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. Okay, cool. Well, um, do you guys have any last notes on Danny Nine you want to share? I don't. That's that's, that's, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Um, okay, so next up is chapter sixty-nine. This is Tyrion nine, and we get that great line from Tywin Lannister: "They have my son, my son." Which Charles Dance delivers that line so well. So basically, they learn that Jamie has been captured by by Rob. And he's not and very he's not happy, happy about it. Especially, like, he's this is like Tywin is so eating crow. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what do you think Jamie would do? Jamie wouldn't get captured. It's like, mm, yeah, he right. did. <laughs> um, so they're in council, um, and so Tyrion kind of recalls yeah. like. Tyrion they basically trekked all the way back to the end of the crossroads. And I, I did kind of like this. I did kind of um, like this description of the um, army. It's sort of like slowly of falling, like apart. Slowly like, falling like, apart. Like, like they, they trek back so fast that the wounded can't like keep up. There's people who are like deserting from the army and leaving. And Tyrion's like, man, I should, I should have totally joined them, so I don't have to deal with this anymore. But it's like wanting to avoid your dad when you like, you know, that he's mad. Like, come home from work, and you're like, I gotta get out of here. He's not mad at me. I just don't want to be around it. I think I was looking on the map that that like um depicts mileage 
And I think like he marched them like 300 miles or something. So like he was really Ooh. booking it. It was just like trampling over people. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> Um, uh, so, so they get back to the end and they're kind of discussing what happened. happened. Um, uh, th- th- see, there's one there's guy one in here who's like mocking Jamie's strategy for taking River Run, and then the other yeah, half of them are like, You kidding me? That's the only way you could take River Run because of all these different rivers, and they open this up and it creates a moat. And it, it's kind of it's kind of cool, like nerdy castle architectural thing. I'm sure I'm sure somebody who's really into that Reddit was like, that is so cool. I mean, honestly, like he came up with some really cool castles that are surrounded by really fascinating um, geography. And I just I want to learn more about River Run and exactly how it's like, I want to see some better River Run maps than I have access to because it's really cool. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Well, it kind of blows well, my mind, by the way. Is, is So, so you're, you're right. He does. Right. There are some there are awesome castles, castles in the story with great surroundings. Great surroundings but every time yeah, every I read about it, I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Really cool. And, then and then I think, how the hell did they build that? Build that? <laughs> like, know, like, right? the eerie? like the Eerie? Every time I think every, about the Eerie, it just explodes my brain. I'm like, there's how do you build that? How do you they take up like 40 bricks a day in a basket. <laughs> like, it's like the pyramids in Egypt. Like it probably took like 1200 years. Oh my God. What a nightmare. <laughs> now, people, people back then, I mean, I know that like Westeros isn't real, but like, let's just talk about like old ancient times. They were so much less lazy than me. <laughs> like I would be like, how about a tree? <laughs> yeah. Like, let's just guys, stick with that. Let's just stick with like a mud hut <laughs> i know right let's see let's um see, uh, one thing that Tyrion notes is tywin, is tywin is totally, totally silent throughout this whole thing, thing. Mm. i mean, you, I mean and he, he's, he's like he's like, not drinking his wine he's, he's kind of you know he's got his hand on his chin he's listening to everything he's soaking everything in and then at the end of this whole section he basically stands up and is like get the hell out of here i don't want to see any of you but we'll get there um, uh, basically, basically, basically the, in this whole this first section, we get the Lannisters view of the Whispering Woods. And I mean, it was a total shock to them. Like they were completely ambushed in this. Um, they talk about like, oh yeah, like we had some outriders because Beric Dondarrion, who gets a name drop in this chapter, was like raiding our back lines. Um, I think, I think the guy was Mark, was Mark Mark Piper, I think, was the other guy who was raiding their supply lines. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's yeah, like, we yeah, sent out some scouts and everything, but they never came back. And then, and then all of a sudden, Jamie's camp is being attacked. And all and the all other camps are like, crap, we got to get over there. So they jumped in some boats. They're trying to trying to get to that side of the river. But River runs throwing rocks at them and sinking their ships. People are drowning in their armor, which is probably the most terrifying thing on the planet that happened to you. I mean, I mean, just imagine that, that being just stuck, stuck in armor and you fall to the bottom of the freaking river. Remember that time that Braun tackled Jamie into the water and they didn't drown? Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. No, there was helium in the armor, so it makes it lighter, you know? You're right, you're right. That's right. Have you guys ever seen planes, trains, and automobiles? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, 
he's he's selling those like shower rings as earrings and he's like yeah there's helium there's helium in these ones so they're very light as they hang on your ears i was surprised about that a long time what's that sorry this is a tangent what's that actor's name is it john candy is that his name yes god bless that man um Let's, Let's see. see. Um, yeah. And and then we get kind of a debate as to what they should do next. Some, some of them are just straight out saying, like, we should just admit defeat. Like, let's just accept the fact that we lost. Let's meet up with Rob. Let's make some peace agreements. And let's move on. Which, which is probably a little disheartening to hear from, you know, Tywin to hear that. He's like, wow, really? These are the guys leading my army? And they just want to quit? Well, it's like, not only are they admitting that they're quitters and like pretty early on in the discussion, first of all, like, mm-hmm. um, but, but as he points out, like you, that's a stupid idea. Not only cause it's a quitting, but like, they're not going to be talking about peace. They have nothing but the upper hand and they're really mad. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, killed, like not we, like the idiot Joffrey killed Ned and like we have their daughters captive and like 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 why like that's a stupid idea because not only is it way too soon probably to bring up quitting but like why they would never even entertain that right now (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's Tyrion. (laughs) yeah it's Tyrion who's basically like there's no way this is gonna work like kind of for all the reasons you pointed out madison it's just like it's too early like they have the advantage like like it's not going to work. Yeah, he's winning. Or hadn't you noticed? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I, I, I did like the moment. I think I think it's Tyrion who like throws his cup of wine on the ground, shatters, and like there's your chances of this negotiation actually working. Fill that cup back up. That's more likely than Catelyn Stark being like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I don't know references Catelyn, but in my mind, that's what I think. Him, him knowing Catelyn so well, he's like, let me tell you something. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Ask me how I know. Um, let's um, see. So, so um, at um, this moment, Tywin stands up and he's like, "Get the hell out of here! Just, just, just get, just out. get out!" But he but keeps Tyrion and Kevin Lannister behind, who's who's Tywin's brother. And then, and then we kind of get, um, we kind of learn some new things. We, um, he, what, what is it? he says? He mentions like, "Oh, a king is demanding our." Our, our army or something like that and then we learn that renly has married marjorie tyrell and he's crowned himself it's like it just keeps getting worse and worse for them <laughs> no, no seriously like every time i read this i'm like holy crap they are in the shittiest situation like because it's, like, so quiet. it's not like rob it's not like rob's i mean because it's already a bad situation with rob so it's not really like his chances are getting better and better but it's like with every new information, Tywin's situation is just worse and worse. You know, like it's not really that Rob's situation is looking more dire against him, but he was like, well, even if I deal with that, I still have this. And now mm-hmm. this. Oh, and don't, don't forget about Stannis. <laughs> right. Right. So, so here's kind of their pos- the Lannister's position at the moment. So, so James, James army, army is gone, gone basically. basically. They're either they're dead either or they've been or captured. They've captured. The Starks, the Starks are coming, are coming down, down from the from north. north. They have they the have twins. twins. They have Moat Kaelin covered, and they completely have cut off Tywin's army from Casterly Rock and Lannisport. Like they're not connected to their home state, basically. 
Um, like I like mentioned I before, before Beric Dondarrion is harassing them and, and messing up the and supply, supply lines. lines. You got the Aarons over to your east. Stannis, Stannis is also on Dragonstone, and there's all these rumors about what's happening with him. They're, you know, like, oh, he's raising an army, he's building more ships, he's got Shadowbinders coming from Ashai, which, which ends up being true. Which ends up being true. Which, by the way, that is my number Which, one way, biggest question, is how did Stannis and Melisandre, like, get together? That's literally, like, the most, like, yeah. I need to know that. Who's their mutual friend? <laughs> I always think it's funny that Stannis, or that Tywin considers Stannis to be the biggest threat right now. Because, like, Stannis, or Tywin in this chapter has already been betrayed by some Tyrashi sellswords, right? Mm, yes. About that. So, but then he later admits that, like, as far as we know, basically Stannis has sellswords. Does Stan like what is who is in Stannis's army? Like, he has a fleet of ships, he has sellswords, and he has um, Melisandre. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, like, right. like in our minds, his army isn't that big. I wonder why I, he considers I, him. I mean, I know he's the he has the best claim to the throne, but other than that, like army wise, like the Tyrells and Renly would be a huge concern to me because, I mean, the Tyrells, I mean, that's pretty fancy right there. And then you have all the right, Baratheons. Right. Which is funny, like, so the Baratheons immediately have no problem siding with Renly, not only over Joffrey, but over Stannis. It's interesting. And I know we'll get into that more in the next book, but it is kind of funny to me that he has the Baratheon forces and the Tyrell, which I think is like... If I'm going to choose a side right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, th I, think, I think part of the reason is a lot of people will think like, oh, it's because everyone likes Renly. But we got to remember, Ren Renly is the Lord of Storm's End. Like, he lives there. Like, that's his hometown. That's his homies. And he's now because Stannis got Dragonstone, which is part of his the chip on his shoulder. Is he didn't even get his, his ancestral home. So, so the reason I think Tywin considers Stannis like the big threat, I think it's mainly due to his position. Like, like he's on Dragonstone, which isn't that far away from King's Landing. And if you're on Dragonstone, you probably assume that his army has a lot of ships, which can go straight into Blackwater and basically land in King's Landing's backyard. Which is, you know, what he does. Yeah, <laughs> eventually. eventually. It takes yeah, to the end of the, the book, book for him to do it. But he'll, he'll get there. Get there. <laughs> it could it just could be, too, the element of surprise. surprise. Stannis, Stannis has been gone before even all of this really blew up. And so and we so really, really, other than the whispers that we're getting, we have no idea what he's doing. So not only does he have the greatest claim, but he's kind of a mystery right now. the element of surprise. Laying low. Um, uh, let's, let's see. Let's so, see. Yeah, so you have Stannis on Dragonstone, and then you got Storms and High Garden coming up from the south, coming upwards. And when you when you look at Tywin's position, he's literally like smack in the middle, like he's surrounded by his enemies. Yeah, I mean, I saw this that said that, like, so the the Boltons and their force are directly to the north. The Renlys and Tyrells to the south. Stannis and Aaron's to the east, and the Starks are just west of him, where he is right now. So yeah, mm -hmm. like pretty crappy. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, he's such a grouchy dad right now. <laughs> actually, I think it's just kind of funny how he considers the Aaron's like a threat, and they literally threat. don't do anything in the war. Like they completely, <laughs> completely 
But just, I mean, he's just, he's smart to like think that they could because they have the Knights of the Veil. But like Tyrion's probably over there. Like I already told you that they're not coming. <laughs> like, <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Um, uh, so the so plan, plan is for Tywin and his, his army to head to Harrenhal. Hall. Mm-hmm. He's gonna he's probably gonna, hold, you know hold, you know, up, hold there, up there, you know, get you everyone know, get together so he can so probably make up a better plan. plan. Um, it also, also kind of goes along with. Cersei basically, basically sent, sent an email, email to Tywin and was like, hey, you guys, you guys should get, get over, over here. here. Bad Heads stuff could be happening. Heads on spikes. It's getting really bad around <laughs> right here. Well, the, well, along with that email, she like, what is it? He's, he's saying like, um, oh, I haven't told Joffrey that Renly has crowned himself because if Joffrey figures that out, he's probably going to take the city's watch and go fight him. And it's just like, such a dummy. Like, not only is she, like, so evil and bad and mean, but he's so dumb. Like, mm-hmm. real, real dumb. <laughs> I, I think that's the. Co- I think that's why we don't respect him and we hate him. It's because he's evil and he's dumb. Right. Like, a lot of these out there big bad guys, like, oh, man, they're just bad to the core. But at least they had a plan. At least they were smart. At least they were thinking. Right, right. But like, man, you just hate Joffrey for so many reasons. <laughs> he de- he doesn't have one redeemable quality. Like, if you if I think about it, I can find redeemable qualities in like Littlefinger, Cersei. Like, I can find something. That I'm like, hey, but they do this, or well, at least he's smart, or nothing, nothing. Just a side note. Um, that goes along with my theory that if you want to make a good superhero movie, you need to make the bad guy really good and really smart. Because well, that's why I believe that Thanos is one of the best villains of all times. Because I agree. Thanos, he's kind of like Mary Mazdor. He's not all wrong. <laughs> exactly. Well, just the thing is, like when I when I when I go see like a Marvel movie and I walk out of there, I'm like, that really wasn't that good. And I try and figure out the reason, and it's it always leads to the bad guy. Like for example, sorry, this is a tangent, but but um, X Men Apocalypse. I love the X Men movies. I love X Men. I, I read I read I, I'm reading through the original comics right now, and I'm I'm loving it. But, but I watched X Men Apocalypse, and I was like, that was, that was a, terrible a terrible movie. movie. And it's and because, because Apocalypse, the main bad guy, has no like motivation. motivation. He's just like, I want things to die. I want things to burn, and and that's it. I love a good bad guy, and I think maybe it's my 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 Slytherin roots. Maybe I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, you know, I like ambition. I like a smart bad guy. I like someone who's cunning and smart, and um. You know, rarely do I end up rooting for the bad guy, but you want a bad guy you can relate to because it makes them just so much more human. I mean, I'm a huge Loki fan because, like, he's so conflicted and, you know. <laughs> my, 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 yeah, anyway, my wife would jump, jump his bones, his bones. like, she loves Tom Hiddleston. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> same, girl. Same. <laughs> so, know thor and i'm like have you seen his brother yeah come on <laughs> come on get on, get on. plus tom helson's such a gentleman in real life he's, the he's great true, what, a true. Fun, what a fun cast i love marvel <laughs> yeah, yeah me and my wife are we're gonna start a rewatch of all of them real soon because i was like i haven't, I haven't like, like i haven't I seen haven't iron man one in years, years and i want to watch it real bad and i actually watched it a few weeks ago with my kids and it was fun and yeah i want to do a like i found i found a fun watch like a 
a viewing order online the other day, and I was like, oh, I think it's time for a marathon. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, um, so, so, so back so to back, back to Game of Thrones, which is why we're here. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It, we'll, we'll do a Marvel. We'll do a Marvel rewatch someday, guys. It'll be great. <laughs> we're gonna be like two. We're gonna be like eighty-two years old. <laughs> I'm, I'm down. I can do this all. <laughs> so um, Tywin's gonna head to Heron Hall, and he, he pulls a pretty ass terrible move. He's just like, okay, hey, grab Amory Lorch, grab grab a uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Vargo Hote, grab the mountain, and just burn river the river run as you go. Like just the riverlands, just burn it. Sucks. He's terrible. He really is like he commits. He commits quite a lot of war crimes, and I don't, I don't know. We're probably influenced by Charles Dance now. Awesome he is, but there's so many moments where like we should hate Tywin's guts. He is so bad, and he should be dead. But he's so he's so cool, and he's such an interesting character that we don't want him to go. Maybe maybe I have a weird infatuation with bad guys, but I love Tywin, and he's so bad. Like he doesn't do he has no redeemable qualities other than being smart and confident and like um, just really quick. It's definitely a Charles Dance influence for me because I think he's awesome. Yeah, but I stop and I'm like, stop liking him. He's so bad. Let's see. So, take one of the best lines in this chapter. Wait, what was that? Take heart, father. At least Rhaegar Targaryen is still dead. We forgot that yeah. line. I love that line. That is a really good line. It's just like, oh, it's cool. Rhaegar's dead. Don't worry about it. Um, so um, then, um, so that's so he lays out that plan, and then Tywin's like, hey, if you want to send the Mountain Clans to raid and burn burn Riverrun, you know, they can just you know pop on that if they want, which is. Another, Another dick thing, thing to say, <laughs> but, but um, then, then Tyrion's like, "No, nah, I'm going to keep him close." And then and Tywin, Tywin gives him the big offer. He's like, "I want you to go to King's Landing. I want you to be the hand of the king in my stead, and I want you to rule because Lord knows that they need some guidance and they need some help there. And I think you can do it." And this is a big moment. I mean, Tywin has openly tried to kill Tyrion. And, and openly has told him how terrible, terrible. He, doesn't, he, doesn't, he that he hates him so much. But, but Tywin, Tywin is putting in this trust, or, or I don't know if it's trust, but like this responsibility on Tyrion to go to King's Landing, be handed the king, and rule there. And what am I to do there? Rule. His father said, Another good one. Right. This reminds me too of when, uh, in the beginning, when John first saw Tyrion and he said he had a shadow as large as a king and like this is kind of his moment to like actually do something big and i think and the show they made it look more like he um Tyrion was like wow my dad you know okay this is my moment my dad's so proud of me but in the book i kind of get the idea that he's a little more he's like wait a second like you just want me to do this because you're giving up on jamie like you think Jamie's a goner, and so I'm all you have left. Which, do you, what, what kind of vibe did you pick up off of Tyrion after he was given this duty? I mean, th- that is kind of the reasoning I felt was that because I think I think it's pretty obvious. Tywin was kind of like, well, they have my son. Tyrion's all I got, and I need to send somebody who can actually help in King's Landing because, like, he goes through this list 
of things okay. he like he like, hates that's happening king's landing he's like um what is, what it? is it i blame, I blame those jack apes on the council our friend uh, uh, uh peter, peter the venerable grand maester and that cockless wonder lord varus which is a great line by him <laughs> um, um he talks, talks about like right. yeah yeah whose notion was it to make this jana slint a lord you know he's you know, a freaking butcher's butcher's boy he doesn't deserve to he doesn't deserve to be up on the high table with us um then he talks about um, dismissing Barrison uh, from it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he's, he, I mean, he's putting a lot of this on Jamie and the council, but like some of those things were Cersei's decision. And so right, right. she's not as smart as everyone gives her credit sometime, I do believe. She's, she's yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, I very much agree with you. I think, I don't think I don't she's think as smart as people people think she is, or, or however you said it. She's just ambitious and yeah, ruthless. Yeah. That's what, That's what it is. Well, the other, other thing, thing, thing is, is, I feel like I feel like, like Tyrion's in a situation where he looks on Tywin and he's like, I hate Tywin. I never want to be anything like him. But the more the story goes on, the more moments that I'm like, that was something Tywin would do. Like he's he's becoming his father without really knowing that he is going to be his father later on. I also and, like the line where he's like, oh, if Cersei cannot curb the board, then you must. And if these counselors are playing as false, and Tyrion's like, yeah, 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 I know the drill. Spikes, heads, walls. <laughs> <laughs> it's the usual, you know? <laughs> yes, father. <laughs> and and I, I'm, I'm kind of curious if, if Tywin sees some of himself in Tyrion at all, or maybe he's like denying that because he hates him so much. Like, I could never see you know he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to see it but it's true well maybe that's what, one of the reasons why he loathes Tyrion so much not only is he an embarrassment to the family because he's a dwarf and whatever and he's kind of a screw off let's be honest but he i, I they're very similar so it probably just 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 grinds at Tywin that it couldn't be Jamie that's like him it had to be Tyrion it's 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 true I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm sure, sure that he wishes Jamie was more like him instead of this kind of hothead. The, at least in this state that Jamie is in right now, Jamie's pretty cocky right now. I feel, I feel like he gets really cocky when he's leading and he's in charge. You know, he's got that you know main character. I'm not going to wear my helm and let my blonde hair flow in the wind. Kind of, a, kind of a thing. Yeah, it's kind of like if your dad is, you know, on the. You know, he's the mayor of your town or something, and his son is like the star baseball player. It's like, well, you know, he's proud of him. Like he's, you know, the quarterback or the star baseball player. He's proud of him and he puts on a good show and he looks good for the family. But really, he's nothing like him. Like he can't relate to Jamie. And like, you know, because Tywin is brains. And so whether he likes it or not, like, like Brooke said, he probably does see a lot of himself in Tyrion because he has that strategic mind and the the smarts to actually rule a city or rule a country or kingdom whereas jamie may have a lot of trophies on the family shelf he doesn't have the same you know he doesn't have that to relate to his dad that's that's great comparison madison that's perfect so um let's see so the chapter ends with tywin literally just being like hey don't you go bring him out of heart of court and also, and I thought like, that totally backs up my theory that the whole Shay thing was set up from Tywin in the beginning, 
and that's where Braun got um, <laughs> got Shay. Because anytime, like he knows Tyrion well enough that if he tells him not to do something, he knows Tyrion's going to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, like he's not telling him don't bring her to court because he thinks Tyrion might actually listen to him. He strategically said do not bring her to court so that Tyrion would be like, oh, I'm bringing her to court. So no, I no, feel no. like that just that just solidifies my theory. I agree because he, it could have definitely been a more general like don't Ooh. you know don't think you're gonna bring your horse Sorry, or something like that. Don't misbehave. Don't embarrass me. Yeah. You know don't you know don't just you know don't go to the brothels too much. It wasn't generalized. It was like do no, not bring it her. Was, it was very specific. Yeah. That was him saying. Oh, I know you're bringing her. Mm-hmm. Sorry, guys. My wife's making cookies, and she brought me probably the best tasting cookie dough I've ever eaten. Oh my gosh! What, <laughs> really <good. laughs> what kind of cookie dough is that? Um, she's remaking the Jack Jack Num Num cookies from Disneyland, and like, it's got this like, like like brown buttery, chocolatey, nutmeggy thing. It's well, when she like totally nails the recipe and like gets it just right. You let us know. <laughs> I will. I promise. I will. Pro- I promise. I will eat them in front of you and tell you how amazing they are. Well, I mean, more like like privately share the recipe with us. <laughs> I got. I got you. Okay. Cool. Yeah, um, Tyrion is definitely being set up. Right that is my final answer. Okay. okay. All, right. All right. I will. I will. But, but, yeah. yeah like, like I, I did I notice that. that. Because, because when you when presented you that, that theory, theory and I thought, I was like, okay, I'm going to stick that right here in my brain and I'm going to keep it in mind as I read. And I read that and I was like, okay, that's a pretty obvious moment where the parent tells the son to not do something. And it's like, well, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And, and Tywin's no dummy. He does, yeah, he knows. Mm-hmm. Um, so cool. So that's basically the end of this chapter. Do you guys have any last thoughts you want to share about Tyrion 9 before we move on? Tyrion 9. I, th- I think that's all my notes. Let me just double check. The only thing, other thing I found was, um, oh, I, I sent this in our little chat, but so we're like a page and a half, two pages after they kind of, um, they kind of really established like what their position is, like who's around them, how trapped they are, what their options are. But then once again, um, it's brought up about, you know, the same information is brought up again. And the way it's worded, I thought it was interesting. It says, Sir Kevin frowned over the map, forehead creasing. Rob Stark will have Edmure Tully and the lords of, um, of the Trident with him by now. Their combined power may exceed our own. Period. And Roose Bolton behind us, dot, dot, dot. And I thought it was interesting because we know that at some point, Roose has set up an alliance with Lannisters. And mm-hmm. both, both times that um Roos was like mentioned i think the last time it's like he strategically wasn't mentioned i just think it's kind of kind of convenient especially the way it's worded because really in writing you never begin a sentence with the word and like it's just you don't do it (laughs) (laughs) and so i thought it was interesting that it said period capital a and Roos bolton behind us dot 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 so i thought (laughs) that was interesting once again it just never establishes when that Mm-hmm. Is set up, and so right. I think that just a little right. bit comes to like hint at like Bruce Holton. Bruce Holton is behind them. <laughs> Interesting. No, that, that, that's a great catch, Matt. Good job. Good job. 
Okay, cool. Okay, um, cool. Why don't we move on to our last chapter for the night? Um, this is chapter 70. This is John 9, our third nine of the night. That's that's. Our, we're, we're, we're trying to read like between the lines and get deep, and I'm just like, dude, there's three nines in a row. That's so cool. <laughs> I, did, I did it too. I was like, whoa, that's never happened before. <laughs> okay, so... Um, so this so is John's last chapter, chapter and, and, and and basically he is fled from the Night's, the Night's Watch. Watch. He, he decided, decided to ride, ride south, south in the night, in the night to, to join up with Rob and become and you know be the hero and you know, you know he's going to single-handedly like win the war. Because so that's totally so what he's thinking about. Finding out about Ned's death was totally off-screen, right? Yes. Okay, I just want to make sure I didn't miss anything. I'm like, wait, like so we're just assuming that he got a Raven and read the bad mm-hmm. news and okay no no I, i'm totally I'm with you because well because honestly, honestly i thought for some reason in my brain, brain i always think that this scene where he leaves the night's watch happens earlier in the book for some reason like like like, what, like, like yeah like, yeah yeah well like like when um when they gets um, when thrown into the dungeons, I always think like, oh yeah, this is when John runs off and his friends come and catch him. Mm-hmm. But it's at the end. Now, the other time was just him and Sam, right? When right, right before they took their vows. And that's when um, he should have gone, honestly. Like, yeah. <laughs> did, did oh man, why can't I remember that now? Because this is yeah, this is definitely the second time. That's because remember he goes like, because Sam talks. Sam comes after him, or Sam talks to him, because. Then later, that's when he has that great conversation with Eamon. That's right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He does leave once, and that's when he hears that Rob's going to war. And then this time, it's because Ned died. Mm-hmm. He's like, I got to go kill something. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, well, well yeah, yeah it's, I think it's, it's a combination, combination of, like, Ned's, Ned's dead. dead. My, my brother, brother is down south. south. In the in middle, middle of the war, right. and I'm up here freezing my balls off, not, not doing anything about this. You know, because John definitely has let go of his any allegiances that he has, like, you know, like supposedly you're supposed to do. You know, like, join the Night's Watch. It's still in him very deeply. It's still in him very deeply. Okay, so let's let's go through the summary of it. Um, let's go through the summary of it. Let's see. Um, basically, John is getting his horse ready, and Sam's like, hey, bro, like, you shouldn't be doing this. And, and John's like, you better freaking move. <laughs> and he charges forward. Sam flops on his butt. And John's like, John's like worrying about him a little bit. And he's thinking about his burned hand. His burned hand comes up a lot in this chapter for some reason. I find this um, to be a really annoying chapter. I just want to get that out. No, no I, I'm not gonna lie. I felt the same way. Like, I 100 percent agree. So <laughs> I, I yeah, did. No. I, the best, no. the best part is when his friends come and get him, like the humor and stuff. But all the John parts, I'm like John, just do it or don't. <laughs> I like, yeah. I like how he's like this part. He doesn't know if he can. Like he knows that he can rely on Sam not to say anything to um, the Lord Commander, and he's like, if it if his love for me isn't what stops him, like his cowardice for even just trying to wake him up, will will at least at least buy me till tomorrow, like till tomorrow morning. 
Like I hope it, I hope it's his loyalty, but if nothing else, his craven nature will save me. <laughs> that's, wow. What I, I, I don't even know how to feel about that thought, to be honest. It's like that's I can't even describe how I feel about that just because it's like that's kind of sad. Chicken shit to get the guards to wake up the Lord Commander. But I agree, this chapter is actually a little annoying. Honestly, the whole thing, even when his friends come and get him, I'm just like, oh my gosh. It's it's disappointing that it was John's last chapter, I feel like. I agree. I agree. Okay. Okay. Um, So so John plans to ride all night, basically as hard as he can. Just, you know, he's like, or I'll just have a picnic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Jesus. He has a plan, and then he's like, I'm hungry. Yeah. Let's just, let's walk a little bit. <laughs> we do we get kind of one part I do like though is this is when he starts thinking um, he left Longclaw behind, which is the Valyrian steel sword that Jor- that um, Jorah Mormont gave him. Yeah, that was good. That was good of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah, was uh, that was a good feeling moment, and I like his reasoning for it. He's kind of basically he's like, I feel like if I bring it, I'll be I'll be betraying um, Mormont in this moment. But if, but if I stay, I stay I'm going to be betraying my brother. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of like that. I don't know. I, don't I like know. conflict in people. And when they finally they make that decision, decision and it, and it makes, makes sense, sense, it feels, feels right. right. You know? Yeah, He's I, like, I thought he is acknowledged know? that, like, no matter what I do, it's pretty crappy. Like, me leaving is pretty crappy. But at least I can sleep at night knowing that I didn't betray all my brothers and and just, like, crap on their family name by taking a sword with me, like a betrayer that has their family sword. Like mm-hmm. at least I can do one noble thing throughout this betrayal. Mm-hmm. I like oh, that. Um, uh, then there, um, there's, then there's one moment in here. I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, he talks about like, what is it like? Like, Oh, the new gods are so much easier to talk to because there's actually people here on earth. There's septons, there's septas who I can talk to, but the new gods are so silent to me. And I don't know. It's just, for some, I, for some reason, it doesn't feel awkward to put that in the book. I, I don't know. I just, I just read that. And I was like, huh, he kind of fit that in very well. Like this little religious con- conflict that John is going through right now, because we don't really, I feel like we don't explore that a lot with John, in, at least in this book so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I feel, I feel like this is when um, John's kind of overthinking a lot of things. Like he's like, oh man, like I got to trade in all my clothes because once they realize I'm gone, they're going to send out like a blast crow email to everyone in the North and they're all going to be looking for me. No one's going to let me in. And if I'm wearing black boots, they're totally going to nail me to the wall, you know? Yeah. Like no one else out there has any black clothing. (laughs) Yeah. He probably should pick up a disguise. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Um, And And then, and then that, le- that leads to him thinking about Rob, and he's like, well, what if I get down there and Rob won't accept me? What if he beheads me like Ned was? Ned beheaded that other uh, uh, Night's Watch deserter at the very beginning of the story. Right. And the, it's funny because him and Rob were both like, yeah, that's so noble. And now he's like, I go. Um, what do you guys, how do you, if say it played out differently to where John 
did go and meet up with Rob, how do you think Rob, knowing everything we know about him now, how do you think he mm-hmm. would have received John? I, I, I honestly can't imagine Rob denying John. Like, I, I, I don't know, just in my brain, it just doesn't like connect there. Right. I think, I think he would totally accept him. And I don't know. I, I feel like it would almost be like a, um, let me think, how would I put this? Like a book, like a history book moment, you know, like Rob might be thinking like, I'm leading this army. I'm taking on the big bad guys. And my brother shows up out of nowhere, someone who I trust, someone who I love. And he showed up and now we're both going to take them out together. Mm. Yeah. I just think about like how it plays out with the car starts later and how he like, he's like, well, this is what I have to do. Um, I, especially with the, you know, having his mother's influence and just trying to be like, well, I'm a man now and my dad is gone and I'm the new Lord of Winterfell and I have to do what's right, even though I don't want to. I kind of don't know. Like, I think he would have been like, brother. And then he would have been like, oh, no. What should yeah. I, do? I know. I'm, I'm, maybe the- he would have helped and given him a disguise. <laughs> like, <laughs> my first instinct was that he would just accept him just based on, you know, how he, um, forsook, forsaked mm-hmm. his vow with the phrase to, to marry the woman he loved. And so that was where I was leaning to at first, but I do feel like he's very in tune with his new board role. And he had such a good example with Ned that I'm not, I really don't know if he would accept him or not because he knows mm-hmm. that, that John is a deserter and that he, if he wants to continue to lead the North, then he's going to have to lead by example and do what he's supposed to do, which is execute Ned or John. So I don't know. I'm not really sure how I feel about the whole thing. So, so here's my counterpoint to it. Um, later in a storm of swords before they head into, to go have dinner with the phrase. Which turns out bad. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler. Um, <laughs> um, Rob actually Rob writes out a letter that basically states, John is my heir. Like, mm-hmm. he is going to take over Winterfell. So, I feel like Rob wouldn't have written that if he, if, if, if you know, like, if Rob had that mentality of, like, oh, John's took his oath and he, he's, he's staying up there, and if he deserts, I'm going to kill him, then he wouldn't have written that letter naming John the heir of Winterfell. But yeah, it is odd that he named John his heir, only considering he knows that, like, Night's Watch members can't be lords. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, th- I think yeah, that was kind of like the king in the north king kind of mentality. Is like, I can do this. Like, I can, I can put this down. I can release him from his spouse. Would he have written that letter to make John his heir had John already deserted? Dun dun dun. So we can do. Here's another question that's based on based on our chapter. We're discussing. He also wonders what would my father had done if Benjen had been the deserter. What do you think Ned would have done if it had, if Benjen had deserted and oh. he was caught? Man, I, I, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still like, still like it, it's just it, something so hard to so imagine. Hard to imagine. Mm-hmm. Like I just like, can't imagine, can't imagine Ned, Ned killing Benjen in any way. Me neither. Me neither. Right. Especially because Especially Brandon and Liana are down in the crypts and they're not supposed, they're not to, be. supposed to be. Exactly. And he has such love for his siblings. But also, I always got the, I think we talked about this way back in the day, but I always get the idea that there's something weird between Ned and Benjen. Something kind of unspoken. So, I don't know. Yeah. But it's still, uh, I, I don't think you would kill him. 
Yeah, though, yeah. there's a lot of theories involving Benjin. Yeah, yeah, there's a there's a lot of theories um, in terms of Benjin possibly having his hand in Rhaegar and Lyanna getting together. Like he was the one who found a way for them to get together, and then they headed south, and then Benjin joined the Night's Watch, kind of in shame of it or something like that. But that's all hearsay. There honestly is like zero evidence for it. It's mainly. It's mainly it's that really we, don't, we don't we don't know, we don't know anything know. about Benjamin, so people so like fill in his story to make it feel good. It's like a fan favorite who has like a total of five lines <laughs> in the middle of the book, <laughs> yeah, which, which honestly kind of makes me curious me because I don't I don't know. I think I feel like Benjamin's such a cool character. I feel like he has a lot of potential, but it's like, well, he's up in the north and he's dead, and I'll get to him at one point. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Um, wow. wow, okay, we went way off here. Let me think. Um, <laughs> hey, it all came from the chapter. All so the, the other, that's, that's true. <laughs> In terms of the Bench and Ned thing, I also kind of like what you said, Brooke. I, you know, he loves his siblings so much. I mean, he he's kept alive for 14 years for Leanna. So I can't imagine him... You know, you know Benjamin coming, coming down, down him being like, "Well, sorry, bro." <laughs> I do think he would have asked him to go back, though. I agree I with that. Know. Yeah, yeah. I agree with I agree that. With um, uh, let's see. So, 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 yeah, so yeah, Rob was worrying about. You no, know, no, John's worrying about like, oh, Rob won't accept me. And then, and then, um, then he gets kind of this. Um, he starts thinking about like he thinks about Mormon. He starts thinking about Amon. And, and basically, basically he's, he's, he's like, like oh, I, 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 couldn't I couldn't be a true, true son to Mormon. I couldn't do what Amon did. I couldn't have, you know, you know made those made tough decisions that Amon made, made in his life. life. I couldn't I do that. that. And then we and get an eye roll moment, in my opinion, where he's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm just going to be a bastard. I'm just not going to have a true identity. And I'm going to, I'm going to do my thing. It doesn't matter anymore. So much angst. Yeah. There's a lot of angst in this chapter. It's like seeping out. So then he enters into Moletown, which is basically a city that's buried under the ground, which is kind of insane in my mind. Insane. Another cool. Pretty much. Yeah. Another one of those, like, how the heck did they build that? But the most notable thing about Moletown is the whorehouse. You know, there's the big red light. You go down and there's a whorehouse down there. There's a whorehouse down there. What is it? Buried treasure. That's what it is. It's like, oh my gosh. But 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 he does have that thought. He's like, there's probably members of the Night's Watch right down there right now. Breaking their vows. Breaking their vows. And it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter. You know, like, you know, yeah, like, it's like, like sneaking away for four or five hours and getting some tail. It's a, point, it's a little good. different than just like leaving and never planning on coming back. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's a good, it's point. A good point. Um, it's, um, it's also, also, also important uh, to note that ghost has kind of started hanging back. back. Um, John's like, like riding this horse super fast, fast and as hard as it can. And ghost is like, Hey bro, just, just keep going. I got you. I'll catch up when I can. I'll see you in a moment. I'll give away your position later. <laughs> so, actually, right after that, John like gets off his horse. He's like, "Huh, where is Ghost?" And he starts like yelling for him, searching for him. 
and it's that's like, when it's like it's like two paragraphs before he's like, I don't need to worry about ghosts. He'll catch up. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like screaming, ghosts. And he's like, well, how, how, how do you find me? I was screaming for my dog. How do you find me? It's 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 totally, it's totally true. true. I, I love that part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. great like, why are you yelling? Aren't you trying to hide? <laughs> so, um, so he starts hearing um, uh, other horses coming south. He hides, and it's Pip, it's Grin, it's all of his friends from the Night's Watch, and they're looking for him. We get some great uh, Pip and Grin moments where they're just. Yeah, yeah, they're just making just fun make of Grant, and he's like, I would totally not. I would hear that. <laughs> um, and then, and then ghost, ghost, ghost comes, comes up, up, basically gives away John's position. And then we and then get we, that. You can think it's cool. Think it's cool. fine if you can fine. think it's epic. But, but it's so cheesy. So cheesy. <laughs> they, they basically they surround him, and they just start quoting the Night's Watch. Watch. Uh, oath to him, and he's like, "Okay, fine, I'll come home." Especially, this is this is awesome. Like, we practiced this before we got here. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, yeah, it's like in, it's like um, you ever watch like cop shows where they're like reveal like how it all happened but they like take turns talking and you're like they were, they totally rehearsed this like like you, you can't do that naturally because otherwise okay i'll say the first part you say the middle and then we all say the end together great well, i want the first part that's the coolest part <laughs> <laughs> it's just a funny image like it's just funny. It's like, i felt like it was a little less corny in the show even than like in the book it just i don't know it, it didn't yeah, he's like spinning his horse around the group and it's like come on it didn't quite land for me <laughs> I, I actually I actually, I actually can't really remember how this went down in the book. This is one of those things I'm like, I kind of want to watch this just so I can see how cheesy it is if they did a good job. So we'll see when we get there, though. Uh, okay, so basically John, John is like, okay, we're going to head back. He plans to desert later, like like in two weeks once they stop watching him, basically, but he heads back for this for now. Um, one thing, uh, um, I'm, I'm going to want to backpedal just for a second. Um, when we were, we're basically, I noticed that. Um, sorry, I wrote this down, and I'm trying to read my own notes. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, 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 this this is actually related to last week uh, during Ned's death, and for some reason, this chapter reminded me of it. But I found it interesting that the sword ice. Kills, kills two people, people in this book. It kills, kills Will and it kills Ned. Ned. Mm-hmm. And, and both, both times, it basically silenced a secret that they were both carrying. Will, Will had that information about the others coming, and Ice killed him to stop that. Oh, we don't know. Whoa. It wasn't Will, it was Garrett. That's a show thing. Yes. I just got messed up. So Garrett was killed by Ice. His secret and his information about the others was silenced. Ned was killed by ice, and his secret information about uh, John's parentage is gone forever now. So I just thought that was a cool thing I noticed. Okay, and then, anyways, so. when it's melted down and divided up into two swords, it goes on to people who 
Ned was trying to un to unsilence that secret as well. And it goes into the hands of Jamie and Joffrey, who were part of a secret that Ned was trying to unveil. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> There's, we'll get to it when we get there. There's also some really cool imagery when it comes to the melting down of that sword, but we'll get there. Okay, okay so uh, John heads back. And John basically kind of tries to make everything normal. He's making breakfast for for Jorah Mormont. Note, he's squeezing lemon with a bare hand, and it's like, that's so unsanitary, dude. I'm not thinking it's like, dude. Because can you imagine getting lemon juice in a fresh wound? Or even a couple weeks old wound. Like, ow. Also, how do you like that dental care tip? Just drink beer every morning with lemon juice in it. And while your teeth. While your teeth. You're old. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, I, I, no I'll give it a shot. Listerine <laughs> <laughs> with the beer if you wanted to. <laughs> um, and, then, and then I feel like this is like Jorah moments where he just lays the smack down on John. Basically, he's like, yeah, I totally knew you were in dessert. dessert. Like, what do you take me for, a fool? Like, we've been watching you for weeks, waiting for this moment to happen. And John's like, really? Like, no way. Yeah. <laughs> I love the line. It, He's like, I have no honor. He's like, I didn't. You're cutting out a little bit. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me now? Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah I, can, I can hear you. I just said that I like the line where he says that um, he knew the honor would bring him back. And he's like, my friends brought me back. And he's like, did I say it was your honor? <laughs> I was like, burn. Stop trying no, to turn so this conversation for yourself. <laughs> right. No, yeah, that's a great Mormont moment. He's just, it's so solid. You know, like everybody who read that line for the first time was like, oh, damn, like truth bombs are hitting right now. And then I, I feel like I feel like every time John talks to Mormont, Mormont basically knocks John down like 10 pegs. And during the time that the time between conversations, John like raises it back up because Mormont's basically like, look, like you realize my sister's involved in this war right now, right? Like, like she's, she's down in the south, and where am I? I am here because this is where I'm supposed to be. This is the oath I've taken. And, and then he he even he even calls him out. Like, what do you think you're some mighty warrior that you're just gonna get down there and you're gonna win this war single handedly? Like, get your head out of your ass, man. War, like I'm, I don't really care who you are. One person's not going to make a difference, right? Right. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, but I, I already, I already mentioned it, but I want to read this part. It says, you are not the only one touched by this war. And I think that really does, John is a bit selfish, you know, like he's very like, my father died. I need to get down there. It doesn't matter these oaths I've taken. I need to get down there because I need to save the day. So it's kind of funny. We have this, I don't know. It's like, he is the reluctant hero, but he, I don't know. It's this weird mixture sometimes with him. Maybe, maybe he like, like I feel maybe he just develops into the reluctant hero. And, and right, right now he's trying to be macho, macho and all like I, I am the man. man. But 
no, no. no. Anyway. Oh, oh, I think it's I think it's part of that because he hasn't experienced being the leader yet and losing soldiers and people and making wrong decisions that end up hurting the people who are following him. So to him, yeah, it's cool to be, you know, the high high and mighty guy who's gonna come in and save the day because he hasn't experienced the loss of what happens when you're that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of see it as almost the opposite. Like he he doesn't see himself as a hero at all. He's just like, well, I'm just a big nobody and all I can I, I might mm-hmm. as well do something. Like I'm not a hero here. I won't be a hero there. Can't go back to Winterfell. Like I'm just a nobody. So I might as well do something. And it's not until leadership is thrust upon him that he realizes that he can now be a reluctant leader. (laughs) (laughs) Now I can be reluctant. (laughs) He's just like womp womp. I like that. No good thoughts. (laughs) Um, let's see. And then this is where Mormont kind of drops the bomb on John. And he's like, look, I need you here because we're going to, I'm getting everyone together. We're marching North. There's all this crazy stuff going beyond the wall. We need to figure out what it is. We need to find Vengeance Stark. We need to figure out what Mance Raider is up to. Um, just generally in nature is freaking out. Like, I think it talks about like herds of elk are like migrating to places they're not supposed to go, which is a perfect Perfect uh, trope, you know. The animals know the danger before everyone else does. <laughs> and then, um, then we get then we get the big truth bomb in the book. Like this is the big one. Um, he says, uh, "Do you think your brother's war is more important than ours?" The old man barked. It's not. Mormon told him, "God save, uh, God save us, boy. You're not blind and you're not stupid. When dead men come hunting in the night, do you think it matters who sits the Iron Throne?" It's just like. This is what we're here for. Yeah, it's a good reminder for the reader as well to be like, oh, yeah, don't forget. Remember the prologue? Remember the. No, no, it's totally totally true because, like, what, 10% of the book is about John being up north and it slightly relates to the others. And the rest of the book is all about what's happening south. And so we're totally invested in that. And, and I feel like sometimes, like when we go to John up north, we're like, ah, oh, but I was in the middle of this whole southern thing. <laughs> like, yeah, I was right. invested in what's happening down there, and now I'm getting pulled back here. And so we need these like intense lines from these characters to remind us, like, what you've been reading about this whole time, it doesn't matter. What matters is what's happening up here. And I think how quickly he flips and gets enthusiastic about staying just further reiterates the point that like he's not trying to like be a big macho hero like he just wants to feel important and to feel like he's he has a purpose and like something to focus on and so as soon as he was like you know if you go there like you're not going to be you're not going to be a difference maker i understand it's important to you but like don't forget like you have something here that's important and as soon as he realized he had he had he got to be in the action. He was like, oh, well, never mind. I'll stay. You're right. You're right. This is important. <laughs> Pretty much. And then um, then classically, the last line is like very episode ending sound to me. Um, the old bear snorted. Good. Now put on your sword. Good. Boom. Black screen. <laughs> like, just feels yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's not one of the best. Like something I want to do in our award show is I, you know, how we always talk about how the end of the chapter sometimes the last line is like epic. Ooh. I want to do a best 
ending line. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, I don't perfect. Chapter goes like this. This line didn't really do anything for me, but like you said, if you envision it like an episode, it it works. Yep, yep. More about being like put on your sword, but it wasn't one of those lines that I was like, "Ooh, that's cool." That's cool. <laughs> right. No, uh, I, I actually, I I love that. I'm gonna. I'll stick that on my list. Yay! <laughs> Boom! We officially got a new category. Um, let's see. I think that is all my notes that I have for John's chapter. I think so Did you guys have any? Let me check, actually. That's all I had. Yeah, that's it for me. Okay, cool. Well, then I guess we're wrapped up. Um, next week is our last two chapters, guys. How, how crazy is that, guys? That's so awesome. I know, and like, so excited. Just want to say, guys, I'm so proud of us. And I get to move on to this gold book. Yeah, right. Look at the shine. And like, I've read it, but it looks basically brand new compared to my my floppy with like, I love this. So many highlighter marks and notes in the margins. I agree. It's so well loved. And this like crispy. There's just one. There's just one page of mine. That I've taken all these all notes these and my, my book's falling apart. <laughs> it's a good, it feels good, actually, to be honest. It's like, it's it love. <laughs> um, okay, so next week we're going to do the last two chapters, which is um, a Catlin chapter. Let's see. So, chapter, yeah. so it's chapter 71, which is Catlin 11, I believe. And then the last chapter, which is Danny 10. And you know what, Brooke, think about it. Do you know what comes next week? What in the Catlin chapter? Well, no, I know about Danny. Well, you know what awesome, awesome moment comes next week in the Catlin chapter? Don't no. say it. Stay. No. 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 Ahead. <gasps> ahead. I was wondering if you were anticipating it. Because <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, so, I can't wait. So, and if you guys are feeling up for it, there's the there's appendix the at the very end where it goes through all the houses and some of the, the family trees. If you guys want to read that as well, and if, if, yes. just, if there's something kind of cool that you see, maybe we could just bring it up and just mention yes, it. Yes, love it. I love. I, to me, I'm like, why would I read a book that doesn't have maps and a and a huge appendix? Like all books, <laughs> right. if, if you don't have an appendix, a glossary, and maps, then I'm not reading it. <laughs> no, it's it's so true. Like if I walk through a bookstore and I pick up a book and the first page is a map, I'm just like. This, this is, is good, good. already. <laughs> this, this is, is already, already going to be amazing. Really want, I really want, you know how when you were a kid, you used to go to the Scholastic Book Fair flyers, and they always had the most amazing pop-up books. It was like Greek mythology and all that stuff. We need an amazing Game of Thrones pop-up book. That would, like, be, that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be really cool. Um, I, I, I'm sure there's one out there, and it's just not that cool, but I want, I want to, I want to I want to get an artist in front of me and say, I will pay you like five grand to design me one. That's just mind blowing. Just do it. It'd be so cool. Um, so I've was to tell you guys, I moved on and I'm reading another series. Now I'm reading the Mistborn series by Brandon Sanderson. And um, I, there is a character in that book that is so Tywin Lannister. Like, again, not not in, like, a copycat way. Like, how are you? You're such a copycat. No, no, no. In, like, a delightfully, like, oh, my gosh, that is exactly Tywin Lannister. 
So I'm enjoying it quite a bit because so many fantasy books are like an epic tale, like a fantasy, like a journey, like a like a quest. And this is like a heist story, so it's pretty cool. I'm on, I'm about three fourths away to the second book, so I'm enjoying nice. it. Like, have you read it, Harrison? I've read the first one. Um, they actually have a graphic novel version of it, or not a graphic novel, a graphic audiobook version of it, where they have like they have like twenty they have like twenty five voice actors for it. They have the background noises. What do they call that? Um, there's actually like a term for this, like live action audio or something like that. Yeah, no, I, I think the, I think it's the company name actually. Well, the company name I think it's called Graphic Audio. Or something along those lines, and yeah, it's, it's it's very, very impressive. impressive. Like it's like a movie, but like you still imagine. Yeah, it yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's basically a movie. You just listen to it, which I love doing. So <laughs> I don't know why. So I was looking for stuff to listen to while I was at work, and I needed something like a little more casual, something I didn't really have to listen to. And I thought, you know, it'd be great is if I could listen to an episode of like friends or like some sitcom that I've seen a million times, but it's still kind of funny. So I actually went and recorded just the audio of like 50 episodes of friends that I love. And so when I'm at work, I'll just turn one of those on and I just hear them talking and doing the jokes and I can just imagine the whole thing. It's pretty cool. Actually. I do that a lot with parks and rec because I love all those shows like, you know, the office and friends and all that, but my personal favorite is parks and rec. And so if I'm, doing something where I really don't have the brain space to pay attention. I just put parks and rec on the background and I can still Perfect. imagine every facial expression and joke and mm-hmm. <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah. What is it? I'm a, uh, let's see. Since we're doing updates now, um, I'm about three fourths of the way through the last wish, which I, I'm a slow reader, but I'll get there. But I'm enjoying that quite a lot. And then I'm reading, I'm reading through some X-Men comics right now, just some of the older ones and, <laughs> Brooke, did you ever start uh, watching uh, The Witcher? <laughs> I was okay, so I watched the first Witcher. I have stopped watching The Witcher though because Max said he's going to start watching it, so we have to go back to episode one and watch it. That's okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the hold. I did. I watched 15 minutes of The Mandalorian last night until my little eyeballs could not stay open anymore. So that's tomorrow's project. Because <laughs> I finished you. And that was awesome. Yes. So, oh, it's so good. I haven't watched. So, I think the next show I watch will probably be Game of Thrones when we watch it together. I'm actually. So, I don't know if many people do this, but I'm actually reading five books right now. I like. Oh, no. oh man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm reading Mistborn. I'm reading. A, um, a, I'm doing a read along with one of my favorite booktubers, and it's a book called The Rage of Dragon. It's a debut novel from a new fantasy writer and it's really cool because it takes place in like an african tribal setting which is so unique um and i'm reading there's a series called red rising and i'm and it's kind of more sci-fi and i'm on the second book of it and then i'm reading like a personal development book and then i'm in a book club with another um leadership (laughs) book so like i I, I love all reading. of the books <laughs> I, I, I don't know i just i'm really good at multitasking and i feel like i actually do better when i'm mm-hmm. like the more brain space i can take up the, the like i i don't know it's just like i just fire like on all cylinders better than i do when i try to put all my energy into one thing <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah see i have to i have I, to do separate mediums for me to do multiple things like I can do an audiobook, I can do a like reading book like we're doing with Game of Thrones and I can do um, like a graphic novel 
Yeah, I do. Yeah, like I, I have yeah. two of them are on audiobook and two are in physical. And just kind of, I kind of just do like two hundred pages of this and two hundred pages of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Easy. <laughs> I don't like just read them. I don't like them all in my hands at the same time and read them all at once. <laughs> see, like, see, I, I, I actually doubt you. I, I, I think you have them super glued together, and you flip all the pages in one <laughs> movement. I might get there someday, but right now I'm just working my way up to that. <laughs> I, I can see it. you have you have two iPods, two separate. You know, one one ear is this book, the other is that book. <laughs> that is like that's the goal. That's the dream. Awesome. awesome. <sighs> All right, guys. Well, I think we're gonna call it night. I'm gonna go watch a show with my wife and keep us updated on all those cookies. Yeah, I will. Promise. <laughs> <laughs> Forget priorities, people. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay, cool. Well, um, hey. I'm excited to like plan our award show and our. Me too. I'm our really excited. I'm so pumped. It's gonna. It's gonna be awesome. All right. Okay. Cool. I'll see, see you guys around. Right. Bye, guys. All right. Bye. bye.